This is Entheogen, talk about tools for generating the divine within. Find the notes and links for this and other episodes at entheogenshow.com. Sign up to receive an email when we release a new episode. Follow us at Entheogen Show on Twitter and like Entheogen Show on Facebook. Today is April 24th, 2016, and we are discussing the neuroscience of partying with Caitlin Thompson of Entheogen. Welcome to Entheogen. Hi, thank you for having me. So we, uh, yeah, we... We uh, noticed that your company sounds very similar to Entheogen. I think that's a really smart name, um, and we'll get into a little bit more <laughs> later about uh, you know what you what you do there at uh, Entheogen. But um, we wanted to talk a little bit about your background first, um, and I guess we got connected with you because Kevin and Brad um, saw your talk at Burning Man, uh, the neuroscience of partying. So that's kind of our topic for today. And uh, I guess Kevin, you had um, spent the most time sort of communicating with Caitlin leading up to this do you want to do a little bit of background yeah yeah sure actually yeah, we were at uh you know it was a, a great burning man morning of uh waking up and going going through the book and uh you know it's just looking at everything there was to do that day and it's sort of like psychedelic university and uh just just all the kind of cool lectures and things you can attend and uh so my, my my girlfriend brad and i went over to uh to see the talk which we really really liked and i actually was trying to to get to Caitlin at the end to to kind of mention the the show and that I liked the talk and that I would like to connect or something, but it was just way too difficult. There were a million people there, and then uh, we sort of got in touch a little bit later on through through Facebook. So that's the connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's amazing how much um, just how many connections are made through Burning Man. You know, it's it's such a um, great uh, event for our community uh, for obvious reasons. I think. Um, and, uh, you know, and there's just so much it, it's, you know, I never knew that about that aspect of Burning Man uh, before going like that. There's just so many interesting talks um, in general. Um, so it's just uh, it's it's so great that you're doing that. How, how many uh, years have you done given that talk at Burning Man? Um, so that was actually my, my first year at Burning Man. Um, oh. I just started the lecture um, around February of last year. So I've been giving the talk like pretty much along the festival circuit and other events for just a little over a year now oh wow that's awesome yeah well it sounded really really good really polished and uh it was highly highly entertaining actually it reminds me too of uh the the guy who who founded our camp at burning men he uh he's in his early 40s and i think he, he had a really funny comment this year because we have sort of uh, a mix of ages in our camp and he said you know i'm really i'm really impressed with the younger people in our camp because they come in with like all these expectations about what they want to get out of burning man and there's the, these multifaceted expectations he's like i came to party you know he's like i came to party and then later i learned that there was other stuff to do as well <laughs> yeah well i mean there's there's a lot to offer at burning man that's for sure and um, there's a lot of different reasons why people are there and why they find themselves in the community. And, and it also can change um, amongst an individual, like throughout their their life. And, you know, things fluctuate, their values fluctuate and what they want changes. So I think it's just um, a, an amazing resource and community for people to access and, and really thrive inside. I thought that was cool, Caitlin, too, about your talk, because um you know, you went over not not just entheogenic substances, but also uh, just nar- narcotics and other other drugs as well. And I thought it, w- it was really cool because you you really never know who who's there, what they're taking, and and you know what what sort of information would be good for them to have. 
And uh, so I thought that that was uh, an interesting addition to the talk. Yeah, I mean, it's you really shouldn't make assumptions about what type of drugs people are taking based on what the community generally gravitates towards because it's there's just too much diversity and there's plenty of people taking psychedelics and there's plenty of people taking um you know pharmaceutical prescription drugs um and even you know things like meth or heroin i'm sure it's all happening so i think it's really important to cover all of those drug categories because um chances are they're around you know don't forget about the tussin the, the what? The tussin, the, the That's always, uh, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that yeah, has its community. It's not one they talk that much about. Yeah. Apparently, I, I know, just I, don't know the right I did, people. I forgot about it. I did notice that it was missing from the talk. You know, it was, <laughs> really yeah. like more about Robotus. Oh, <laughs> so, maybe can, maybe I should uh, look into that and and incorporate it more. <laughs> The, the neuroscience of huffing glue. I mean, is that uh, is there really a demand? Yeah, for I mean, that there's thing? a lot of ways to get high these days. You know, <laughs> <That's right>. I've <laughs> heard sure. all sorts of bizarre, bizarre th- things people come up with just to alter their state. <laughs> we have the no, drug to thank for that. I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. well, it also made me wonder. You know, when I went to uh, approach you after the talk, I, I I had a moment of thinking about that. I'm like, what kind of weird questions you get? You know, sometimes after after a talk, I'm sure you get all kinds of cool. You know, just, oh just, yeah, and people they assume that I'm like um like God or something, and I just have all these answers. Like, and they'll ask me all these ridiculous questions, like. If I take a bunch of cocaine and I drink a bunch and then I take a bunch of this drug and this drug, um, what do you think? And I'm like, well, um, I, I don't recommend you do that, but you you might not die. Like, I don't I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, <laughs> that's a ringing endorsement. You might not die. That's, yeah. that's I know. Okay. I was like, that guy goes. Like, that guy is thrilled. He's like, hey man, she told me I might not die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's like I, I give people the information in the lecture. I, I tell them which drugs are toxic, which um, ones have interactions with each other. And then they still insist on asking me about their particular drug mixing habits. And they're like, oh, is that okay? And I'm like, look, you're, you'll probably, you know, live through it. But um, I'm, I'm just showing you in my lecture that there are interactions and there is an increased risk, but everybody's different. And I think sometimes people forget that we're not like these machines that are all built the same we have so much variety and diversity in our biology um and in our personality that you really can't make any sort of like overarching statements about what's safe for one person and what's not for another yeah i can imagine as you give a talk like this you're sort of presenting yourself as an expert of sorts and people latch on to that and you know they they learn a lot expert and they they want to learn about themselves really so i can i can't imagine the the, the number of things that you've been asked so you, you said that you were doing kind of the festival circuit starting february last year what mm-hmm. you know either before or after burning man what are other venues for the lecture that you've been giving um so i've been going to desert hearts and i was just at lucidity as well a few weekends ago um lightning in a bottle kind of the the main big ones and then a a handful of smaller events um and then i've done a few private um event like speaks where um like the aware project i'm not sure if you have heard of it it's um it's based in la and founded by a girl named ashley booth who basically the aware project is um 
designed for uh, psychedelic awareness salon events that are hosted in LA. And so she, she invited me to speak um, in October. Um, so yeah, I've just been kind of given the, the lecture, a lot of different venues and places, just trying to spread the information so people can stay healthy and happy while they're having a good time, you know? Yeah. And are, is the lecture, you mentioned this was your first year or last year was your first year going to Burning Man. Um, have you been to some of these festivals before yourself or has giving these lectures been your introduction to a lot of these festivals? No, I was definitely plugged into the festival community and the Burning Man community. Um, so I, I've been going to Burning Man for five years. So, oh, gotcha, um, gotcha. Yeah, it, it was. if anything, it was the community, um, uh, the festival community that really inspired me to even give the lecture in the first place. Um, because I, I just was collecting all this information, really going through my own health journey, which is kind of a whole nother topic. But in the meantime, I was learning a lot about drug pharmacology and neuroscience and nutrition. And I was able to kind of tie things together in a way that um, made sense and could be put out into the party communities to um, help them mitigate some of the damage that they're doing just from pushing their bodies. Right. Cool. Yeah. Similarly, the the show, um, our podcast was inspired from a uh, a lecture that we saw at Burning Man uh, in 2013. So it sounds kind of similar that you know what we're we're doing respectively. You know, we found these communities and we found these these places to connect, and it sounds like we've had a similar inspiration to do something that we love and we're passionate about. Wow, that's really cool to hear. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Caitlin, you have a uh, background uh, studying biology at San Diego State University. Uh, we mm-hmm. read in your bio. Um, how how much of your um, you know knowledge and ex- expertise in the field of you know the neuroscience of partying, if you want to just kind of uh, look at that as the overview, um, comes from your your you know university study, and how much of it comes from you know further work you've done since then? Yeah. So, uh, to be perfectly honest, um, a lot of the useful information that I know was not from my college education. Um, it, it's really important, I think, especially in the hard sciences, to get the college education because um, you're not going to be you're not going to learn that information unless somebody's cramming it down your throat. But because I had the the science background, um, I understood the lingo and kind of how science and math and calculus works. So I could actually read the scientific literature, go to the conferences, take online courses, and educate myself based on my existing scientific education. Um, And I I did take a neurobiology course in college, and that really kind of ignited this passion in me and this curiosity that I dove deeper into. Um, But for the most part, I've I've largely been self-educating um, trying to find answers to, you know, my own health challenges. Um, and it, it really just essentially brought me to um, doing the lectures and um, starting my company. So the, um, you mentioned earlier um, nutrition, and obviously that's an important aspect um, when you're considering, you know, supplementation. Um, can you kind of, you know, speak to that a little bit or relate those two? Like where does supplementation fit in where nutrition you know, kind of falls off in our modern society. Yeah. Uh, what you mean, like in relation to entheogens or um, just... Well, I think more so I'm thinking of lo- along the lines of um, supplementation with things like 5-hydroxytryptophan, L-tryptophan, okay. 
um, B vitamins, you know, things like that, um, which I guess, I guess where I'm going with that is it seems to me that these things become more necessary or beneficial um, in our society because we're lacking, you know, wholesome nutrition in a lot of ways. Like we would otherwise right. hopefully be getting some of this stuff um, in a lot larger quantities than we are because maybe, you know, it's harder to find foods that contain them or it's, uh, you know, not as common to have like well-balanced meals, which give you a, a well-rounded um, kind of assortment of, um, what are they, like amino acids and, and things like that, right? Yeah, all, all sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, generally, um, a lot of people are nutritionally deficient these days, more so than they used to be. And part of that is, you know, the, the increase of in processed food and just um, lack of really wholesome nutrition from, from food, like you mentioned. And also, you know, our soil, the mineral content is being depleted. Um, we're spraying a lot of pesticides on our fruits and vegetables, which is interfering in the microbes in the soil and their ability to help the plant draw more nutrients into it. Uh, there's a lot of factors, you know, there's also um, a lot of people are developing autoimmune conditions and um, there's been an increase in issues with leaky gut and, and malabsorption problems. So even if you are kind of doing everything right, a lot of people aren't absorbing the nutrients from their food efficiently and almost everybody's got deficiencies. And, um, you know, initially my, my interest really brought me down the path of uh, uh, looking at the pathology of mood disorders and, and mental illness because I was struggling with my own depression and anxiety. And I, I knew it was a physiological-based, um, you know, depression. And so I, I set out to try to figure out what was going on with my body. And what I found was that, you know, almost all these people with these, um, these autoimmune and inflammatory and uh, mental illnesses, they all have nutritional deficiencies. Um, and so that's when I started just diving in and, and realizing that, a lot of people could benefit from nutritional supplementation. And, you know, unfortunately, we're kind of entering an age now where nutritional supplements are really going to be kind of mandatory for people to um, get everything they need because our planet is just not in a, in a condition where the food we're growing is providing that nutrition anymore. So how, how are we able to, um, you know, create these supplements uh, and, you know, sort of concentrate the, like, beneficial components that we're not getting, that we're lacking in our, in our foods, um, but we're not able to, like, I don't know, correct that problem with the, the, that the planet has in, in growing right. food with, with those things in it? Yeah, well, I mean, there's, you could do some sort of ecological, you know, work to change that. But as far as just supplementation, you know, we've gotten really good at um, isolating compounds or even synthesizing them. And now we can make amino acids and make vitamins and minerals and stuff um, and, you know, sell them over the counter as supplements. The problem is they're not always bioavailable. Um, but if you, if you have certain forms of the vitamins, um, usually the ones that are naturally occurring in, in foods are the closest, you know, that you want. Um, your body can absorb them. And if you take them in combination with other minerals and stuff, they can facilitate absorption with each other in a synergistic way. Um, and then we, of course, have a, a bunch of herbs and botanical extracts these days that we are finding have, um, 
you know, real pharmacological action, just like a drug would. And they show huge potential in helping alleviate a lot of, a lot of, um, well, diseases for that matter. I guess we can't really say that technically because there, a lot of them are not, um, made into drugs because they're not patentable. But, um, we're, you know, there's plenty of research looking at these botanical compounds and how they optimize certain areas of health. This kind of speaks to, um, you know, a, I don't know, a pet kind of uh, concern of mine where in the argument when people um, ask the question, is it okay to like to, to use drugs, so to speak, right, to get to a certain place? Like, is it okay to use uh, a psychedelic, for example, to like achieve some form of enlightenment when, you know, you could, in theory, uh, maybe get to the same place, and, and the question of whether it's the same place is, is a good one too. But let's say you could get there yeah. through meditation. Is it okay to take the shortcut? You know, maybe uh, to, to take a, a strong psychedelic and, and get there, and uh, you know, more easily. Um, I don't know. This stuff is such a continuum, though. Like you, like you described, you know, there are um, uh, foods uh, and you know uh, herbs and things like that that are highly effective and, and have a physiological effect like a, you know, quote unquote drug would. So where do you draw that line? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's, that's something that I've, you know, come to understand is that there really isn't these distinct categories of what is a, what is a food? What is a drug? And what is a medicine? Because the reality of it is, is this world is full of molecules and they can act as both. They can act as neither. They can act as one, but not the other. And so, you know, you ask, is coffee a food or is it a drug or is it a medicine? Does, you know, some people would argue it's a medicine. Um, yes, is to all LSD, three. Is <laughs> LSD a drug Depends on the or time is LSD day. a medicine <laughs> or is LSD a food because you eat it? Yeah, it doesn't really get, provide you calories. But then you ask about psychedelic mushrooms. Well, you eat edible mushrooms. So if you eat psychedelic mushrooms, are those a food as well? Are they a drug? Are they a medicine? And there's really just too much blurring between the lines. When you really look at things critically, you see that you just can't categorize things. And you certainly cannot make inferences or assumptions about um, any sort of compound or substance based on what society calls it. Because the reality of it is, is these are um, completely artificial um, dichotomies that, that don't really exist in nature, you know. There's, there's not even a good or bad in nature. It's, it's always about balance, you know? Absolutely. Sure. And when, you, when it comes to what society tells us, you know, the source of information for decades has been pretty singular or at least limited in terms of, you know, what's been recommended or mandated legally, right? You know, when it comes to the difference yeah. between foods and, and drugs and supplements. And I feel like largely we're doing a lot of unlearning you know, from things that programs like D.A.R.E. have uh, attempted to teach us. Yeah, sure. well, and you have to consider also that everybody's body is so different. And what might be a medicine for one person could be um, harmful to another. There's plenty of foods like sure. that, you know, like some people are sensitive to um, the nightshades, you know, like tomatoes or potatoes. And other people do fine with them in their nutritional <sighs> Um, you know, foods for them to eat. So it, it's, there's so much variability. I think people really just need to understand that generalizations are, are not uh, fully accurate in any sense. Sure. And, and uh, Caitlin, jumping in on that, um, one of the things I liked about your, your talk at Bernie Men was you got into 
uh, di- different entheogens and sort of their how how they act in the in the body and on the on the mind, and that's I mean directly related to what you're saying. It's like every one of these things is so different for each person, even though they have these sort of common chemical uh, processes and reactions. Uh, I, I wonder if you would uh, comment a little bit on that on on sort of the the functioning of uh, sort of the major entheogens in in the brain. Yeah, you mean just like a general overview of how they work? Sure. Okay. Well, so, um, you know, the classical psychedelics, which are generally what um, entheogen is referring to, you know, there's a few other types of um, psychoactive plants that I think you could call entheogens that maybe don't quite fit in as classical psychedelics. But generally, um, the classical psychedelics, such as LSD, psilocybin mushrooms, DMT, ayahuasca, um, and even ibogaine and mescaline can kind of be put in there. They generally um, predominantly uh, affect the 5-HT2A receptors. It's a, a subclass of serotonin receptor. And um, they tend to have serotonin agonist uh, activity, which means that they fit into these receptors that are really designed to um, bind with serotonin. Um, but they they mimic serotonin because their their molecular skeleton is shaped quite similarly, um, and so they can fit into that little key and lock just like a serotonin molecule and activate the receptor. Um, but they create you know a slightly different effect. It's not quite the same as when you you know just have serotonin binding, and uh, so that's the general sort of um, consensus of the main mechanism of action i think a lot of scientists have agreed upon at this point depending on the drug um there's a lot of other uh receptors that are being activated and maybe um blocked and it's it's quite complicated and it really depends also on the person's individual chemistry because somebody might have a higher or lower expression of a certain type of receptor um, therefore maybe they bind less of it or maybe they have a mutation and it doesn't bind as um, strongly or they don't make a lot of neurotransmitters um, or maybe they make a lot and it's competing for the drugs um, or, or for the receptors with the drugs. And so there is just a lot of factors going into it. It's, it's so hard to pinpoint what's really going on in anybody. Sure, and I feel like that's that's a uh, you know makes a big point about sort of uh, dosage and and so and sort of uh, playing it playing it cool until uh, until someone understands kind of their own their own chemistry, right? I mean, uh, I feel like that's the classic example of two people comparing themselves, uh, you know, in terms in terms of dosage when you're talking about two completely different computers <laughs> at work. Yeah, exactly, and it you know that could depend on how much liver enzyme somebody makes and how fast they process that. Or, you know, if they're a heavy drinker, they might have elevated liver enzymes to cope with the, you know, increased toxic material that their body has to process to stay, you know, at homeostasis. And, um, you know, all of our lifestyle decisions and our genetics and um, our nutrition, it's all just like a chaotic, dynamic um, thing that's constantly in flux. It's kind of amazing that it even works at all <laughs> when you think about it. It really is. <laughs> I feel the same way about Skype. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really true. Very timely. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, um, one of the other sort of um, hobby horses I returned to over the years is is thinking through this this process of like, um, you know, how, how supplementation with something like especially 5-HTP or, or a tryptophan um, can then be, uh, you know, could pr- provide like maybe a um, a, a better uh, like uh, substrate for the body to you know metabolize that into serotonin, melatonin. Um, and then I think eventually DMT, um, like how that process works. And that also gets into the question of, again, like, you know, what do you call a drug? DMT is a drug, uh, according to society, when it's on the outside of your body. Right. But it's um, also but, a neurotransmitter. <laughs> right. Which is, yeah, inside the brain. Yeah. I also, I also had some for breakfast this morning, so I think it's a food <laughs> as well, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's, there's, per, there's a lot of, um, you know, supplements that really make me feel high. Um, and even amino acids that just get converted into neurotransmitters downstream, they can really um, create a state change and make you feel elevated, which, you know, is that really that different than taking a little bit of a drug? I don't know. What, what, where is the line between feeling good from a supplement and feeling good from a drug? Like, it's really I've just my, not I've there. I've got my pen out. Which supplements specifically? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there, there's, trust me, there's lots of them. The earth is full of great tools to um, enhance your your feelings of well-being. But, um, yeah, as far as the 5-HTP, you know, that seems to be the thing everybody's really hyper-focused on. And 5-HTP is great. You know, there's obviously some um, contraindications where you shouldn't be taking it, you know, especially if you're on an SSRI medication or something of that sort. But um, people kind of don't don't really fully understand um, how the the amino acid precursor therapies can help um, them, you know, create more neurotransmitter. And they also don't seem to be aware that if you're deficient in any of the cofactors, the enzymatic things in your body that take that amino acid, such as 5-HTP, and turn it into its respective neurotransmitter, such as serotonin, then it doesn't really matter if you're taking a bunch of 5-HTP or tryptophan. Um, And that's usually the case, too, is that people are deficient in these vitamins and minerals that they need as cofactors. So, uh, you know, pretty much all the B vitamins are really uh, fundamentally important for um, creating that conversion of the amino acids to the neurotransmitter. Um, Also, people tend to forget about dopamine like they're they're all obsessed with serotonin and in reality there are an, a number of neurotransmitters that need to be in balance with each other um otherwise you know you're going to feel crappy and we're kind of starting to move away from this serotonergic model of mood it's definitely um implied you know serotonin definitely is doing something important but I think it's mostly important because it does seem to modulate the immune system. You know, people forget about dopamine and norepinephrine, which are also really key players. And so they take like a shit ton of 5-HDP. They're like, yeah, I'm going to have so much serotonin. But the thing is, um, norepinephrine and dopamine, they compete for the same pathways in the body um, to, is serotonin. So if you're taking a bunch of amino acids, um, and say you're taking a lot of 5-HTP, it's going to outcompete your body's ability to take, you know, an, an amino acid like L-tyrosine and turn it into dopamine and norepinephrine because they use the same cofactors, the B vitamins, the, the magnesium, the zinc. They use a lot of the same 
um, enzymatic molecules to create the neurotransmitter. And um, actually, you know, the 5-HTP, the, the serotonin pathway tends to dominate a little bit over the uh, dopamine and norepinephrine pathway. So, and I've read some papers about making sure that you consume um, amino acid precursors in balanced ratios so that they don't kind of outcompete each other because they can actually exacerbate depression symptoms um, or, you know, imbalances if you're only taking a ton of one of the amino acids. So if you're taking 5-HTP, I think it's really important to take um, L-tyrosine with it or an L-acetyl-tyrosine or something that's going to be converted into dopamine and norepinephrine down the road. You know, Caitlin, you reminded me of uh, this year before Burning Man. I was at uh, the Walmart in Reno at uh, like 5 o'clock in the morning, as I tend to be once a year. And, uh, <laughs> and I ran into... Uh, some some guys in the uh in the, in the sort of supplement aisle and they're desperately looking for 5-HTP which obviously had been sold out for several oh, days. Oh no. <laughs> and uh you know and I just and I just now it made me think of those guys and like next year when I run into them like you know what else should I tell them to buy at uh at Walmart? Yeah, it's such a good question. Yeah. I, it, it, this is a you're such a wealth of information Caitlin. We want to definitely plug your uh your company Entheozen which is uh is it entheozen.com? Yeah, that's the website. So, I mean, people, listeners can uh, can go there to find out more about um, the supplements that that you offer. Um, but this is—I'm just learning so much. Like the the so it's not only about the um, ratios of the like active, you know, uh, supplements that you're taking, um, and I guess the uh, cofactors, as you put it, um, that help with sort of like the um, you know the the process to convert them into the things we want to convert them into in the brain. Right, um, right. But it's also about, like you said, the bioavailability. And now it sounds like you're talking a little bit about the, the regimen as well. Like you may not want to just take everything in one big pill every single day, but like maybe you kind of alternate or maybe, you know, you take, take some that work on the serotonin pathways and take some that work on the dopamine pathways, like alternating days and things like that. Would that be a recommendation as well? Yeah, like I, I generally, um, at least in my personal life, um, I'm constantly alternating which supplements I'm taking. I, I use my intuition quite a bit and try to feel out what things I feel deficient in that day, what things um, I feel like I've had enough of for a while. And it's all kind of based in coordinates with my diet. And, you know, if I got enough protein or enough fat or if I am haven't slept enough, like, you know, it's, there's a lot of things to take into consideration when deciding how to supplement your body. Um, and, uh, you know, stress and exhaustion and things of that sort really play into it. And, you know, when we're partying and stuff, it's not only the depletion from the drugs that we're trying to uh, combat. It's, you know, we're staying up all night long. We're usually very active. We're usually very overstimulated. And there's just general um, wear and tear that happens with the body from sleep deprivation and overexcitation that almost doesn't have much to do with the drugs. The drugs really just keep you up mm. long enough so that yeah. um, your body gets worn down from just overall physical activity. And so one of the great things about using nutrition as a tool is you can give your body a little bit extra energy and support to cope with the stress that you're putting it under. Because the reality of it is sleep deprivation is really the most harmful of any of it. Um, the drugs or really dehydration, are right? Yeah, like very basic things that really have nothing to do with consuming substances. Um, they're just they just happen when you 
are go, go, going for longer than you normally would without the extra stimulation, you know? Yeah, I, br- I bring up dehydration because one of our co-hosts had a had an experience. <laughs> I knew, I knew this was coming my way, man. I knew, I knew this one was coming my way. I could feel it. I could feel it creeping up on me. You know? Yeah. Well, and it's it's really important too to I'm make also- sure you're getting electrolytes and minerals because um, if you don't have those, your your cells can't hold as much water because they have to maintain this homeostatic. Um, balance of water based on like sodium and potassium and all these electrolytes so electrolytes are really good i know it sounds cliche but always always make sure you're getting enough minerals and, and ions i find uh there i find like yeah, no, three or four gallons of gatorade while you have two ivs in your arm works pretty well <laughs> yeah yeah it's hard to tell if it's based the gatorade or the iv <laughs> yeah. well how many how many bags did you end up taking I'm kevin a- you took a couple of bags of saline that night right yeah, that was uh, wow. That was a it's serious fun. dehydration episode. You know, I, I feel like such an oh, amateur yeah. too. It was like it was like eight years of uh, eight years of going to Burning Man with no uh, issues, and then uh, you know, <laughs> then my, my best friend shows yeah. up. And I'm yeah, like, my my ready. very first night, uh, Burning Man. My introduction to Burning Man was like in the med tent uh, the first night. That uh, was. Uh, <laughs> Pretty, pretty interesting experience watching me what, drink Gatorade yeah, I, wa- watching uh, watching a needle go into your arm and then uh you know yeah uh that was uh that was in- incredible but uh yeah I really should have uh gone, should have gone to walk like one day before one day earlier <laughs> that's right yeah it's, it's important to take care of yourself that's for sure especially when you're in extreme climates um doing a, pushing your body not sleeping and um changing your chemistry with you know substances it's you just gotta baby yourself in whatever areas you can because let's face it you're probably not sleeping and um sometimes people don't like eat quite that much so whatever you can do to give your body a little extra help is always good that's yeah that's it's funny you're, you're 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 so worried about you know like uh taking things like 5-htp and other supplements and it's like well how about the basic things like drinking water and sleeping yeah drink some damn water <laughs> you know like <laughs> Yeah. You mentioned a word earlier that I observe a really fantastic word, Caitlin, that you used, serotonergic. Is that what, is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah. That means basically like anything, like the serotonergic system would be the sort of collective group of serotonin receptors and um, serotonin itself. So if a drug acts like on that system, you call it serotonergic or, you know, dopaminergic or GABAergic or glutaminergic. Yeah, dopaminergic. Yeah, that's what you say when that's you want to sound smart. We love words. Just yeah. add minergic right. afterwards and you sound it's like a, a PhD or something. It's a constant <laughs> struggle for us on the show to sound smart. So anytime we get uh, some good, good words. Yeah, put that in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think I know what the, ne- the name of the next founding father original uh, mix is going to be called. I can, I can feel it. <laughs> yeah well we can you tell us a little bit more about um about uh entheism your you you know the the company that you founded you know i think with the with the minutes that we have left um of your time today i think uh maybe our listeners i definitely want to learn a little bit more about it can you tell us about that yeah absolutely so um i guess i'll just give you a little bit of the background first um so we we Specialize in in supplements for brain health, really um, focusing on mood health or mood, mood enhancements and party recovery, which is kind of a weird 
dichotomy. I think most people are like, that's that's kind of strange. But w- when you actually look at the neuroscience the conceptually, they really um, have the same sort of um, theories behind it. And it, the reason I developed the company in the first place was um, when I was doing my undergraduate um, in biology, um, I, I was um, getting real busy with school and I kind of put a little um, weight on partying. I, I just was trying to buckle down and I was taking the harder classes like organic chemistry and I started smoking less weed and I started going to less festivals uh, so that I could, you know, really learn the material. And I noticed that um, around the seventh or eighth week after my last LSD experience, um, I would start to unravel chemically and get increasingly more agitated and anxious and depressed and like inflamed and nothing circumstantially. Yeah. Nothing circumstantially was changing in my life. And so it was really easy for me to identify it as a physiological change happening. And, um, it took me about three times of this occurring before I finally pinpointed that it was, it was after, you know, an LSD experience. Um, and before then I had been taking LSD and mushrooms and, and stuff like that quite um, consistently. And what I realized was that I was actually effectively self-medicating a chemical depression that I didn't know I had. Um, but my, my mom has had depression and she's been on um, Prozac for, you know, 20 years or something. So I always thought, oh, I got wow. lucky. I didn't, wow. I didn't get that. But the more I looked at it, I did have it, but I had been medicating with marijuana and psychedelics and so that's really what got me interested in psychedelic drugs because they were making such a profound influence on my mental and physical health and um you know my spiritual development as well and so i was really enthusiastic about them and once i realized they were actually medicating me uh, i started to really get into the research side of it and really learning about the pharmacology and the science behind them. And I, I realized I wasn't the only person that had, had found them to be quite beneficial in managing um, mood disorders, especially. So um, I was pretty inspired to make it a, a mission of mine to promote, you know, responsible psychedelic research and medicinal application. Um, but then I was like, okay, okay, LSD is great. It helps, but it's, I'm still not cured. Like it's, this doesn't seem like a sustainable solution. It's not always accessible. It's illegal. It's intense. Like, I, I want to find another way to get to the root of this. So then I started kind of diving down the rabbit hole of the neuroscience literature on uh, mood disorders and mental illness and inflammation and inflammatory disorders and stuff like that. And uh, I just started teaching myself everything I could. And what I found was that um, a lot of of mood disorders and depression was basically driven by nutritional deficiencies and inflammatory problems in the body, uh, mostly in the gut. But I, I could talk about that for another, you know, two or three hours. Um, but I found that a lot of people with mental illnesses and mood disorders basically just had raging inflammation. That was, um, it was like an immune response in their, their nervous system. And they were having nutritional deficiencies as a result of malabsorption and and poor diet as well and it was contributing to the inflammation and it's like this vicious cycle so um through very tedious research and self-experimentation and and really taking myself on my own healing journey 
um, that's how I kind of developed this accidental expertise on the topic. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna make um, I'm gonna make supplements because I don't think that the ones that exist right now are really on the cutting edge of the the research. So I took all the the concepts that I had been gathering and finding helpful in my own recovery and applying it to formulating nutritional products. And that's how I ended up with, um, you know, my, my new product, which is called Transcend. It's like a mood enhancement and meditation aid product. And then because I'm so passionate about the psychedelic aspect of my healing process, I wanted to use the company as a platform to really educate people about how much potential psychedelic compounds have for treating people with these horrible, you know, inflammatory or psychological diseases um, or states, I should say. I don't I don't think they're really diseases. I think everybody can heal themselves. Um, but yeah, that was really the inspiration for me making the company. I, I really just wanted to help people that um, maybe weren't lucky enough to have the science background to figure it out for themselves. And that's basically what I did uh, to heal my my own brain and body so i i just am inspired to share the knowledge that i've been so wow. um gifted in, in receiving and being able to access and help others very impressive i like that i like that uh, phrase an yeah. accidental expert yeah well i mean there's there's lots of people that i'm sure know more than me and, and i'm i'm not a phd i'm not a doctor but I think at the end of the day, the most important thing is a desire to learn and a, and a humility about what you know and what you don't know. So I, I want to make sure I'm sensitive about using the word expert because I'm I'm constantly learning more. And, um, you know, everybody, everybody is always um, able to keep improving who they are as a person and what they know. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Wow. Excellent. Well, it's uh, it's an inspiring uh, you know journey that you've taken, and uh, I think it's a great uh, you know inspiration uh, for starting your company. Um, there's great precedent for scratching your own itch, as they say. You know, um, creating a product that uh, you've you yourself uh, you know benefited from, and uh, introducing it you know to the masses. Um, and I think you you're absolutely right as far as like the science of supplementation. I remember, you know, going back to like the early 2000s, seeking some of this stuff out and like trying 5-HTP and stuff like that. It was just a standalone, you know, bottle of 5-HTP. Um, and right. I even remember back then seeking out tryptophan and it was actually hard to get. I think that there was some kind of like scare about tainted tryptophan or something. And you could Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it really like, but in the last, I kind of gave up on it. Like back then I, I tried a couple things and it, I didn't find much effect, but I think the reason probably was that it wasn't the right blend. And I think, you know, you, you described how modern supplementation is a lot more like holistic. It's not just taking something in isolation. It's taking a group of, uh, you know, compounds that kind of work together. Um, and I found recently right. they have been very effective. So I, I think, um, I mean, I'd stop short of saying I encourage listeners to go out and try, you know, supplementation um, because we're not doctors, at least I'm not. Um, but right. uh, it is something that, you know, it's it has changed a lot in the last, you know, probably decade or so for sure. But yeah, so thanks for, um, you know, for for sharing this knowledge with us and for, you know, t doing all the research to, you know, figure this stuff out and, and to to share it in the products you uh, you offer. Um, and just, you know, for your involvement in the community, I think to help people understand their own chemistry a little bit better and, and uh, how to, uh, you know, 
party safer and uh, take care of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's also really important to give people the power um, of their own health and uh, really understand that they they know what's best for their body. And so if I can educate them and give them the information, they can use it um, and figure out what's best for their unique body because it's what's right for one person is not going to be the best for another. And I think it's, again, just important to um, really emphasize that people um, should be the ones making decisions about what goes into their body. Absolutely. It's great advice. Well, thank you again, Caitlin, for joining us on Entheogen. And uh, listeners can find out more at entheogenshow.com, where we'll have links to Entheozen and uh, the other work that Caitlin does. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Of course. Thanks, thank Caitlin. you so much for having me. Yeah, Caitlin, thanks again. And I uh, look forward to seeing you at Birdie Man. Yeah, yeah I'll see absolutely. you guys there. Right on. Thank you. Today is April 24th, 2016, and we are discussing the neuroscience of partying with Caitlin Thompson of Entheogen. Sorry, damn. <laughs> 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 Too similar sounding to our show. Okay, hold on. One more time. Yeah.